I'm Paul Levinson. Welcome to Light On Life Through, episode 164. Trump, the insurrection, impeachment, and what happens next. Well, I've been wanting to talk to you about what happened last week here in the United States when an armed group of insurrectionists stormed and looted the U.S. Capitol, Trump's role in making that happen, Trump's reaction to that, the reaction of the Congress, and where we are headed here in the United States. But just a few hours ago, I was interviewed about that very topic by Phil Merkel on one of his shows on WUSB-FM radio, here in New York. So I thought I would play for you that interview in which I cover all of those topics and more. So we'll get right into it. Here's the interview. The Light on Light Through podcast. Okay, and you are listening to WUSB Stony Brook. And on the line with me is my guest, Paul Levinson. And uh, welcome back to the airwaves, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, <laughs> and actually... Uh, Notwithstanding all the horrible things that have been happening and are, and are still unfolding, uh, I, I still uh, take pleasure in the fact that uh, the Democrats won two Senate seats in Georgia and that w- whether Trump is uh, thrown out of office or not, in, in nine days he's going to be out of there. And for the first time in a while, the Democrats are going to control the House of Representatives, the Senate, and, of course, the presidency. And so I think that uh, our country will have two years, at least, in which to write a lot of the horrendous things that Trump did, as well as finally do some other really good and important things, you know, ranging from gun control to economic reform to, you know, the environment, and, of course, countering COVID. So... On the one hand, I think we experienced last week, you know, I know that everybody uh, feels the same way. I don't know a single person who doesn't. One of the worst things in our lifetime. You know, it's right up there with 9-11, with the assassination of John F. Kennedy and Robert F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King. And it could have been much worse than it was. And let's talk about that. But uh, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that there's a revolution going on. And for once, it's headed in the right direction for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it, it's I mean, there's so much, so much news. It's it's overwhelming. It's it's upsetting. Um, my wife and uh, I, the lovely Mrs. Captain Phil, those of you who have met me and my lovely wife, uh, Annette, um, know her as a sweet and charming and kind lady uh, the most beautiful woman in the world paul <laughs> and uh, and sure. the language that is emitted from this woman's mouth during <laughs> this these events which began last wednesday and up until uh, about two o'clock in the morning last night um <laughs> would make a sailor embarrassed this she is so angry uh so upset it's so disturbing it's it's overwhelming paul you study media. Um, you're, you're a professor of media. In fact, Paul, give us your credentials again so we all know uh, who we're talking to here uh, on WUSB Stony Brook today. Well, I'm a professor of communication and media studies at Fordham University. And in fact, I've been teaching a course uh, 
a series of courses, and we'll be teaching that again online just starting in, in a few weeks called Digital Media and Public Responsibility. So you couldn't ask for a more relevant topic. And I've written many books, some of which are science fiction, but some of which are scholarly studies of the media and the enormous impact and role they play in our lives in general and in our political lives in particular. And, you know, one thing we should definitely talk about right now is the good news that Trump got thrown off Twitter, how that relates to First Amendment issues, and in general, the social digital foundation of that insurrection. It didn't just arise out of the clear blue sky. It wasn't a spontaneous event. It was something that was being talked about on social media for weeks and months beforehand. So yet an additional issue is, why didn't that intelligence? And we know now that you know, the FBI was aware of it. The New York City police warned the Capitol Police that there was something yeah. bad coming. And, you know, they didn't do anything. The, the governor of Maryland couldn't send in his troops to help. They didn't. He couldn't get permission. He could not go in legally. You know, I mean, I'm I'm assuming he could have taken it upon himself to said, "Okay, go in and wherever the chips fall." But I mean, there was a whole uh, chain of command that was um, uh, disaffect. I mean, disconnected. Uh, you know, and and we have the resources, we have the people, and it's not every. We're going to find out that there's probably people in the armed services, and I, I hate to say this, and then this is nothing against people in the military or in the police forces, but there had to be people in those services um, who were supporters of this, of what happened on on Wednesday. I hate to say that, but I, you know, but you, we're going to learn that it's a fact. So when when you know the command and control of those organizations, you know, is messed up, and you have those plants, I guess is how I want to say it. It's it's a recipe for disaster, and and I just re- remember watching the press conference for the Maryland governor twice. I watched it twice, and and uh, saying he he tried to send in troops and he could not. He's on the phone with Schumer. <laughs> yeah, I know. On the well, phone, with Schumer. I, I couldn't believe it. That's right. Well, listen. I mean, I, and I had the same reaction you did, and you know maybe that's why I'll never be in public office, never have been in public office, because frankly. If I had been the governor of Maryland or any nearby state, and I got a call from Schumer yeah. telling me what was going on, I wouldn't have waited for permission. Yeah. You know, send, send the guard in now. I, I, come after me later. You know, it's a question of saving human lives. I mean, I'm sure Schumer correctly communicated the, the danger that was literally at hand. It wasn't something that was going to happen. It was actually happening then. So, look, I mean, he's not a villain. But he's just one of many people who yeah. have to scratch ahead and try to understand what was going on. He, he was trying class. to do the right thing, and and you know, absolutely, and 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 there was like a oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this happens every case. You know, sometimes I'm I'm running I'm running my guests in through the Zoom on my phone, and sometimes people call me up on the phone, and, <laughs> and you didn't hear it, Paul, but uh, a phone call just went out over the air. But I always hit decline right away. So if you heard the phone ringing the last three hours of radio, that's where that's coming from. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm not a huge Schumer fan. I'm not a Schumer. I mean, you know, he is who he is. You know, but I trust him. I, I trust him not to, to you know 
do sedition against the United States government. You know, he may not be, I may not be his biggest fan, but I trust if he called up and said, I'm in trouble, come and help me, I would help him. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I feel the same way. I mean, look, there are all kinds of things that happened and we're first now beginning to find out about them. I, I just saw literally about maybe 45 minutes ago, uh, you, you may have seen it, it's been shown many times, what, one of the Capitol Police, just one guy with a baton and, yes. and sort of almost yes. goading the group to come up after him uh, up a five stairs. And I had trouble understanding why was he doing that? Yes. And, and it, 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 that was a brilliant move. This guy did an heroic, brilliant thing. He basically got them away from a door that had not been locked. And if that vicious crowd had gone through there, God knows what would have happened. Uh, it, it took a long time. That was an early video that appeared that day, and it took a long time to fully comprehend what we were seeing. It took about the rest of the week to really know what was going on with him. And then, as more reports came in, I was because I've been like refreshing um, Google News, you know, nonstop, and as you see new new stuff as it pops up, um, there was. You know, a, a number of a number of African American, um, you know, Capitol Police officers who were attacked, who were called the N word by these protesters, um, you know, who were targeted because of the color of their skin. This is this is this is horrible, horrible stuff. Those people are the scum of the earth. Yes, you know, they 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 wrap themselves in their self delusions that somehow they are the real Americans fighting for America. They're actually quasi and in some cases literally Nazis who happen to be in America and speak English, but they are no different than the brown shirts in Europe and the the, the, the people who ha- have no regard for human life. I, you know, there's another act that I think has to be mentioned and praised: the, the woman who was shot uh, and died. And, you know, we, we got like various reports last night for the very first time. I think it was on CNN. I, there was a video clip that showed what happened. That woman was climbing up with support underneath her and going into a window that had been totally broken in. And on the other side of the window, there were just a couple of police with guns. And on the other side of that, again, were senators and representatives who were trying to escape for mm-hmm. freedom. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not in favor of a loss of human life. But, but that cop, you know, who shot that woman might have saved the lives of who knows how many uh, innocent people. And, and, and there were so many people behind her. And, and, and you read about the woman, and it's a tragedy. You know, this is a woman who was in the Air Force, who served her country. Um, but she drank the Kool-Aid. And and was taken in by this QAnon nonsense, this this these lies. She trusts the. I mean, th- there was something that was said at the Democratic National um, Convention uh, before the election, and a woman came on and, and said the reason her father died, the cause of his death due to COVID, was Donald Trump. That was his pre-existing condition that he believed Donald Trump, and he didn't take that seriously. And, I mean, this is basically the same sort of situation. These people are believing this man. He was doing anything to stay in power. Honestly, I didn't see, I didn't see Trump going down this way. I, I, I honestly thought he was going to fade away a little bit, run off with his supporters, and come back, you know, and disrupt the Republican convention in 2024 and run again in 2024. 
which he could have done well, if he if he had right. just let it go. If he had just let it go, you know, maybe he right. he thinks there's charges against him that are so serious, um, you know, that he's going to be in jail when he leaves office. But I think he could have arranged it so that maybe wouldn't wouldn't have happened. I mean, it would have been it would have been a, another you know crap show in the courts for the next four years. But it wouldn't have been this. He's got no chance to run ever again after this. I, I, I agree. And, you know, if you think of Trump's background and you think of his background in television, if you think about it, if someone who is on television in an entertainment capacity, all that person cares about is, are you a fan or not? Mm-hmm. You don't care what's in the mind of a fan. You just want those Nielsen numbers to be as high as possible. Yeah. Because then whoever's putting on that show will be able to get more advertising revenue, et cetera, et cetera. That's the way Trump has run his presidency. He, he, all he cares about is, do you support him? And he, he doesn't care why people support him. And who knows what Trump really wants. I mean, I have a hard time believing that he wanted this to happen, but maybe he did. Maybe he planned it out. But I think more likely, <laughs> he, he just he went out there that morning and, and, and basically stoked that crowd because he got off and always gets off on the support and positive vibrations he gets from those miscreants in the crowd, one miscreant to another. And th- that's why he couldn't help himself. When he finally gets you know, to make a statement, he can't help himself. He says, we love you. And I think that's a true <laughs> statement you know, from Trump. He loves them. Why? Because they support him. And he's, that's ultimately all he cares about. He's literally the man who yelled fire in a crowded movie house, you know. Yeah. And, and he's, he's, you know, he he you at some point for the last I don't know how many years he has never taken responsibility for his words. I mean, Billy Bush got fired because of of when 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 uh, when when he was record when Trump was recorded saying grab them by the you know what they didn't you know he got to be president. The reporter that was with him got to be fired. <laughs> So he's never taken responsibility, and and here he is, you know, his most heinous. And yeah, I want to back up a second. Um, You were talking, mentioning Nazis before. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, uh, I mean, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) 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 mentioned, it's always a good time to talk about Conan the Barbarian, Um, mentioned Kristallnacht, uh, Kristallnacht, and compared what happened on Wednesday to Kristallnacht. Please inform our listeners here in, in Suffolk County um, what Arnold, I mean Conan, <laughs> is is referring to. This is something very important, um, you know, allusion he made there. Well, let me just say, by the way, I saw. I'm, I, I, I assume that you're talking about that video yeah. that, uh, and I saw it on Twitter. And actually, uh, our son sent us a link to it and said, you know, this may sound strange, but I was really moved to tears mm-hmm. by watching this video, and I felt the same way. And what Crystal Knock was, and, and look, I, I've been talking now pretty much ever since Trump got into office that there are and have been just a cascading series of disturbing similarities between Trump and, and Hitler. And before I tell you about Crystal Knock, let me just mention some of them. Adolf Hitler hated the press, called them the Lugan press. Uh, Trump basically calls them fake news. Hitler hated the press so much, he wanted to go on radio and not be interviewed and published in newspapers. And why was that? Because he wanted to communicate directly to his supporters. That's what Trump 
loves about Twitter and why it was such a, a good thing getting him uh, off there. So, I mean, the, the similarities just uh, pile up. And back in the 1930s, though, you know, we all now have the wisdom of hindsight of what happened in the 1930s and how it ultimately led, you know, to six million Jews uh, murdered in concentration camps and millions and millions of other people murdered as well. Uh, and Kristallnacht was the, the, well, one of the decisive moments where the Nazis just went crazy and, you know, went through town and broke windows of Jewish establishments, trashed and marauded anything that was Jewish synagogues, uh, delicatessens, etc., etc., and I think Schwarzenegger's illusion is, is very well taken because up until that point, it was really all just talk in Germany. Hitler had said what he thought of the Jews and what he wanted good Germans to do to the Jewish population. But up until Kristallnacht, no one, or maybe not enough people, some people thought it would really happen, but a lot of people were saying it, it, it's just talk, it's just talk. And remember, the, the Nazis were elected in a democratic mm. election mm. into power in the first place. I mean, that's another harrowing similarity. And so I think that, you know, yeah, what happened last Wednesday, these people, you know, the Proud Boys, all of these groups, they've been talking about this for decades in some cases. But for the most part, it's just been talk. You know, one exception is what happened to the governor of Michigan mm -hmm. back in, I guess, what was it, May, where yeah. you know, they uncovered a plot there, which was not just talk. But this, obviously, was the moving into physical reality of these paranoid, vicious fantasies which somehow generate this self-righteous need for revenge against something that was not done to them by anyone. It's all in their own heads. But th this crazy, sick, paranoid delusion found physical form and lives were lost and buildings were destroyed in Kristallnacht and in the uh, attack on the Capitol. So good for Schwarzenegger yeah. for pointing that out. And by the way, this, you know, shows something else, and, and I'm glad to see it finally happening. I mean, look, I, I have no use for the Republican Party anyway, in the best of times, right? So, you know, uh, and um, yeah, I know you feel the same way, by and large. But, you know, on the other hand, as low an opinion as I've always had of the Republican point of view, because I disagree with it, in, you know, in a rational, logical sense. I think they don't care about people. I think they care about money, et cetera, et cetera. But notwithstanding that, I never thought that the Republicans were as bad as this. And so I'm glad to see that some Republicans, including Schwarzenegger, and it, it's been happening you know, through the campaign in, in 2020, but this has accentuated that. And I think that's a healthy thing because... Yeah. If I were a Republican, I would do all in my power uh, to, to, to get Cruz and uh, Holly 
was Zaz's last name? I can never even remember. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get them out of the party. They're, they're not Republicans. They're no. fascists. Yeah. They're people who, who, who think you can make up a lie, and it doesn't matter how absurd it is. You just keep speaking it over and over again. Enough people might believe it. Constantly doubling down. Constantly doubling down on this. I mean, and that brings me to this point, um, uh, Paul, which is this happened. They eventually, you know, and it took way too long. Uh, they eventually got control of the Capitol again. They reconvened Congress. And rightfully so, but after they reconvened it, um, we still had Republicans who were um, saying not to accept the votes of the election, to trying to disenfranchise the majority of the votes that were that were tallied in the presidential election, trying to disenfranchise those voters, and <laughs> I made me think about Sandy Hook, and. What would have happened at Sandy Hook if after all that killing had happened that day or the next day they had said, well, we have to give this English test. <laughs> Everybody come back inside and grab your number two pencil and uh, just don't sit in the chair that has the blood on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that would have been that that's a horrific thought. And I'm saying to myself, how could they go back to this lie after what had just happened where people they knew people had died by that point by the way they knew for a fact um i believe her name is ashley uh had been gunned down um and and the initial images that were that we saw were kind of goofy it was you know the the buffalo hat man you know and the podium being dragged out and stuff like that but as more images came out there was a great piece on this on msnbc um there, there was terrible things. There were urination. There was feces spread on the walls. There was things destroyed. There were computers taken. Um, so, this is not the funny, you know, costume party. Uh, you know, people walking around taking selfies. There was a really dangerous element to this. I think we were five minutes from seeing Nancy Pelosi being dragged down the steps of the Capitol with bullets through her. You know, I hate to say that, but I mean, I mean, that's what I thought we were were about to see if that had gone a little bit further. It, it was it was terribly and all too close, and again, this this denial of reality. First of all, it's a classic fascist tactic. Unfortunately, there are millions of Americans that partake in it, and in fact, it happened there for Sandy Hook. I, mm -hmm. I can't remember who said it, there, there, but there were several like articles that basically were alleging that Sandy Hook was basically some kind of liberal. Fraud that it didn't really happen. Alex, Alex Jones, Alex Jones, Alex Jones, right? All, all for the purpose of taking guns away from Americans. You know what? One of the things, as I mentioned before, uh, that uh, I hope the Democrats now in control of both the executive and the legislative branches. I hope they once and for all do take away gu guns. At least know, the because, assault weapons. You yeah, know. It's, it, that's right. That's right. But you know that it, it, it is so. Insane. It's it's hard to understand. You you know you you and I and most people that we know we have opinions like everyone else, but we get that I, hey the opinion when it collides with fact, that's an important test of the opinion. It is is the opinion factual or is it wrong? It's, it's as simple as that. That's not only the way science operates. That's the way 
human life operates. And you know what? That's the way life operates. You know, if like a, uh, a mouse is looking for food and thinks there's food over there and smells something and runs over there and then finds there's no food, the mouse will walk away. It won't keep saying, hey, well, where's the food? Yeah. So in other words, facts are an important part of life. And, and these people, you know, it's almost a kind of insanity. You know, just denying the facts, no matter what they are. If you think about, again, what happened in Georgia, you have a, a, a governor and a secretary of state in Georgia who are Republicans, who say they voted for Trump in the 2020 election. That, by the way, is another fascinating question. How could they do that? But they did. But nonetheless, they're the ones who are basically guaranteeing they oversaw the recounting. They carefully checked out where all the votes came from and you know, all the various ways they have of, of safeguarding the vote and knowing whether or not there was any tampering or any fraud going on. And more than once, they declared no. There was no vote of fraud. And, so that's and, the fact. But, but the people who left Trump don't want to believe that. And, and the, the, the man who counted the, uh, the votes, you know, who was in charge of that, um, and, you know, and, th- and this is the Republican. These are Republicans we're talking about here. Um, it was on 60 Minutes last night saying he had death threats. In the night of the election, he couldn't stay in his home. He was afraid he was going to be, you know, people were like sending him death threats saying, we know where you live and giving him his address. And because he gave them the wrong, he gave them the answer they didn't want to hear. We are on the air with Paul Levinson, professor at Fordham University, and science fiction writer, and radio uh, radio star, and uh, and and singer songwriter as well. Um, Paul, give out your um, URL where people can find your your writings, your music, your musings. Well, the single best place would be my webpage. That's p a u l l e v dot com paullev.com you'll find my latest music in fact all my music my science links to my science fiction stories and novels and my copious nonfiction. you just got a couple of stories uh, just published uh, the last couple of weeks I've, i've been reading in your feed i know there's no end to my depravity uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Hey, so uh, definitely somebody you want to follow up on yes there's a story called foreseeable you'll love it I'm just going to tell you I'm just going to tell you oh, you're breaking up a little bit Paul uh, say, say it again I, this, one of the things that you'll, um, you'll yeah I was going to say that one of the things I have published last week is a story called foreseeable I'm just going to tell your listeners the very beginning of it a guy goes to the men's room in a, in a restaurant. Uh, you know, he's waiting for his date to show up. He comes out of the restroom, realizes that he left his glasses in the restroom. This happens sometimes. And so he goes back and sees a pair of glasses, picks them up, and then quickly realizes as he walks out and puts them on, they're not quite his glasses, but they look pretty good. And these glasses allow this guy to see a little bit into the future sometimes. So that's, that's the setup. <laughs> By the way, you know, not to make light of this, but you mentioned that guy with the horns. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, one of the things shows I've loved are, is The Vikings, which actually just concluded mm-hmm. its final season. It was streaming on Amazon Prime. And one of the points they made in that final season, and this is both, you know, in one sense, you know, interesting, but also, you know, gets a part of the tragedy of this, 
is that the, the Vikings back then, and we, we tend to romanticize them, but they were marauders at heart. Mm-hmm. And they weren't happy unless they were going in and plundering and killing people and taking over their land and so on. That, that was like one of the parting messages of that marvelous series. So this guy basically was someone who, his character jumped from that fictional series right out there into the nation's capital. And, and that's the horror right there. Yeah, un- unbelievable. And and if you do a little search on him too, um, before he was arrested, and he has been arrested, but before he was arrested, uh, he's from Phoenix. And uh, the Phoenix media, the local news station, went to his house and talked to his mother. <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a surreal thing. And there was, oh, he's a good boy. Oh, well, he was defending this country, and oh, it's just surreal. And and I believe the, the oh god, so the, yeah, it's, it's great. It's just yeah. great. Well, look, these people, <laughs> to say the least, they're they're emotionally and mentally. Yeah. Um, the the other the other thing is the um, the um, legislator the state legislator for from West Virginia who had to resign. Um, there was also a reporter on site when he was arrested at his house and his grandmother comes out. <laughs> it's just it's just beyond. It's I mean I mean it's 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 I mean we're laughing. It's funny, but it's not funny. But at the same time, it's 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 like it's it's like it's it's surreal it's just absolutely surreal yeah so uh let's let's continue um you know what uh impeachment is on the table right now i think it's a shame we had to wait for it but i believe in my opinion impeachment needs to go forward even if it occurs after the 21st or after the 20th um because it will it will stop trump from ever running to office again and i believe it takes away the perks of the office i believe it takes away the um the um, uh, Secret Service protection and the insurance and the salary. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Paul? I agree with you 100%. And uh, I heard uh, Jim Clyburn talking about this yesterday, that uh, in a way, the best strategy might be for the House to impeach Trump as soon as possible. But don't send the impeachment over to be tried in the Senate until those two Georgia uh, Democrats are seated, until Schumer is uh, majority leader. And then in that context, and look, we need to be realistic and not engage in our own fantasies. It's still, I wouldn't say likely, or certainly not bet on, that whatever it is, like if that happens, we'll need 15 or so more Republican senators to, to get the two-thirds conviction. Assuming all the senators show up, it would be fewer. It's, it's two-thirds of whoever is in mm-hmm. session, but I assume all of them will show up. So at this point, uh, I don't know. We have Romney, Pat Toomey, Lisa Murkowski, Ben Sass, maybe. So, I mean, uh, you know, w- we still have a ways to go. But I think that that is a, a very, very good strategy. I certainly don't think that Mitch McConnell is going to – uh, bring the Senate into session to consider impeachment in, in the next nine days. It's too easy for him to delay. And the, the only other thing is whether Pence, and, you know, we should talk about him for a yes, minute. Yes, we should. I mean, I, frankly, I don't understand him. Yeah. 
He almost was killed. His wife is there. I think his children were there. They all could have been killed. I, I mean, I, you know, I would have just. And Trump as, has not contacted him. They, yeah. They, he has not. He's not even contacted to apologize or anything. And Pence, you know, he's not, and he doesn't pick up the phone from Schumer that day or the next day about the Twenty Fifth Amendment. What's going on? I don't get That's it. That's right. I don't get it. And his his family could have been killed. That's right. So, I mean, that's incomprehensible to yeah. me. And, I, you know, look, I, I, I will give Pence credit. He, he did do his job. And a lot of people were wondering. He, too, might have uh, sided with people like Cruz and Holly and just, you know, gummed up the counting and certification uh, of the Electoral College votes. He had it within his power to certainly throw a monkey wrench into it. So, you know, it's sad to contemplate that you need to compliment someone for just doing their job. But nonetheless, that's the, the world we live in now. So he does deserve credit for that. Look, you know, historians are going to have a field day yeah. with Pence. Why was he so loyal to Trump over the years? You know, you've probably seen her, one of his assistants who resigned because she couldn't take it anymore. But she was helping him in the initial government response to, to the pandemic and eventually she couldn't take it she, so she resigned and she's been on television a lot and she says you know Pence is a good man he, he, he means well and he meant well but he just didn't have the power to buck you know Trump I mean there's there's I, I have family who are born again Christians who believe that President Trump is God's chosen that he's an imperfect vessel and God is using him an imperfect vessel. I mean, I, I know Pence is a man of faith or he says he's a man of faith. Um, I think that's a possibility. Um, at the same time, I, I think Pence, you know, believed that this entire situation was just going to be the theater for the Republicans, that these fellows were going to get up and make their speeches so they would be able to run in 2022 and 2024. There was no intention of really having people smash through the walls of this, you know, of the government and arrest, you know, and, and citizens arrest people or kill people or damage anything. I think this is all just theater, you know, to give these these, you know, Trump wannabes something to run on in 2022 and 2024. I think Pence was dialed in on that. You know, um, but it, it spun out of control, and I don't understand. I don't understand how good people who who have morals, who believe, and I'm an atheist. Okay, so I know I'm going to hell if there is one. <laughs> but but you know how how is this how is this supporting him? How how is this coupled with with your faith? It, it seems. To be a complete disconnect, and I and I can't believe he he. To this day, I've got people you know who are good people in my family who would who would you know give you the the shirt off their back to help you. Oh no, he we we're with him a hundred percent. He's doing the right thing. He's an imperfect vessel. God is using him. God is using him for do what? <laughs> I know. Well, you know, this is. I mean, this is a fascinating, both theological and and philosophic and you know ethical question. Uh, if you think about why is it that every army, every military unit, not only in the United States, but all around the world, except, I guess, in, in countries where, you know, like 
maybe China and you know, former Soviet Union where there is no religion except the state religion. But, but other than that, every military force has its chaplain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so, okay, you could say, well, you know, the chaplain is doing the right thing when the military force is doing the right thing, like the United States fighting the Nazis in World War II. But that's not the only thing the United States military did. We went into Vietnam, which was wrong. Mm -hmm. We did all kinds of things, which was wrong. Wrong, and and yet you have this somehow intrinsic expectation that every military action is going to receive literally and figuratively the blessing of people who represent various religions, and uh, I I've always been troubled by that, and I'm actually I, you know I'm when it comes to whether there's a deity or not, I, I'm not certain enough that there isn't because there's so much that we don't understand. So I categorize myself as agnostic uh, and I, I'm even willing to say because of that, that in a deist sense, there might be some force out there which we just are incapable of understanding, maybe will never understand. Uh, but that actually is not the part of religion that we're talking about here. R regardless of what your view of the deity is, regardless of what the religion is, it's the cooperation of the religion with the powers that be. And, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the Pope's role during World War II to get back to Hitler. You know, World War II, the Vatican didn't so much support Hitler, and you might say, well, they couldn't come out against Hitler and Mussolini because they would have been wiped out. But, you know, they could have done more. And, you know, they did do some good things. You know, a lot of priests took in, you know, Jewish mm -hmm. people and saved their lives. But this is a continuing problem. The, the gist of it is, unfortunately, religion has not lived up to what many people think it should be, which is instilling a morality and a care for others. And by the way, a care for the truth. Yes. Right? I mean, you're not supposed to bear false witness. Yes. And, and so someone who basically Trump lies, every word out of his mouth is just about a lie. Well, it's not going to start on adultery. Yes. Yes. How can a fundamentalist support someone like that? Yeah. They think it's okay to lie all the time? I mean, you know. It, it's funny, Paul. You're talking, um, you know, uh, my normal my normal uh, radio show is a progressive rock show on Thursday afternoons. And what you were talking right, right there reminded me of uh, song lyrics from the English band IQ uh, from their album Dark Matters. And I'm just going to read a couple of lines here. Uh, this is this is uh, people from England uh, describing America, and in this song, this is one of these prog rock epics that goes on for like twenty minutes, <laughs> you know. And this is one of the little sections, mini sections in it, and it says, "The hand of God defends America, and who would not defend America? We've got light on our side. We're in pole position. So praise the Lord and raise the ammunition high, raise it high." And the next line is, "Hide where you can. We will shoot you where you stand." Uh. Well, and that's and that's I, I, an English band describing yeah. us. Yeah. Well, and so there's Bob Dylan's with God on our side, which yeah. is, I think, one of his two, three best songs. And by the way, speaking of Dylan, uh, his uh, his song about the assassination of John F. Mm. Kennedy 
you know, has nothing much to do with what we're talking about, except that I truly think, and I think that Dylan thinks so uh, as well, and he, he makes this clear in Murder Most Foul, everything that's happened since the assassination of John F. Kennedy is in a way a consequence of that assassination, mm. including Trump in the White House, including the attack on democracy. Mm. So, I, you know, obviously historians can tell us how America was distorted due to the assassination of Lincoln, and I'm sure it was. But we didn't live through that. But, but obviously I lived through the assassination. You're probably much younger than me, so maybe you didn't. Just too young for it, but it, it was yeah. huge. It yeah. was huge. Yeah. I was actually a month old during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Okay. So you, you're probably crying in your cradle about it. It's pretty upsetting. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yes, I mean, this you know, democracy has been under assault for a long time. It's been under assault from assassins like Lee Harvey Oswald and who knows what else. It's been under assault, again, from people who don't care about truth. They just care about their opinion. And all they want is a ratification of their opinion. And, and Trump is the epitome of that. And uh, the, the difference, though, between Trump and everybody else is that Trump was elected to office. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, we should never forget that, yes, by an antiquated system, Hillary did win the popular vote, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But let, let's talk a little bit about Twitter because, I, you know, I'd like, yes. you know, our listeners, because, and let me just preface this by saying, as you uh, probably know, Phil, I am an absolutist when it comes to the First Amendment, meaning that unless it's a criminal activity, which is not covered by the First Amendment, it's not protected by the First Amendment, or unless it is information deliberately designed to not only deceive but hurt and even kill people, like, for example, tweeting about it's a good idea to drink bleach to deal with the pandemic. Uh, uh, but other than those kinds of things, I, I don't I think the government should ever be in the business of restricting communications. And tragically, Trump has given the best argument imaginable mm -hmm. in favor of that point, because even right now at this very moment, the, the executive in our government, the highest level executive is Donald Trump. And in fact, he wants to, he wanted to, and still does want to punish big tech and control Twitter and Google and Facebook and so on. So I, I, I don't like restriction. I don't like suppression of communication. I don't like censorship. But the first thing which a lot of people have pointed out is Twitter is not the government. So when, when Twitter throws... Donald Trump off. It's not the government censoring Trump. Therefore, it's not a violation of the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. But it's still what I have been calling for decades, a violation of the spirit of the First Amendment. And I don't think that's a good idea either. So apropos music, you know, if you're watching the Grammys and some rapper, hip hop artist is singing a song and every other word is bleeped, thanks CBS for bleeping it. The, the CBS is bleeping it because they're afraid the FCC might find them, but nobody is forcing CBS to bleep it. I think CBS there is violating the spirit of the First Amendment, and, and I think that's wrong. And I attack CBS and other stations for doing that. And there's no doubt that 
Twitter or any social medium banning Trump is violating the spirit of the First Amendment. But I think this is another life and death yeah. matter. And, and therefore, I am in favor of violating the spirit of the First Amendment. I don't know to what extent these views were really brought into being and nurtured and brought to a boil on Twitter. It probably would have happened anyway, but certainly Twitter didn't help. And anything that could be done to de and slow down and maybe in some cases extinguish these points of view before they get to a boil and wreak such havoc and endanger so many lives. And in fact, five lives were lost. Actually, more than five lives. Yeah. I, I saw. I heard last night a Capitol uh, police officer committed suicide. suicide. Yeah, so that's another yeah. indirect consequence of this. Uh, so I think that Twitter did the right thing, and I'm glad Amazon knocked Paul off its system. And it's unfortunate because I, I hate to see suppression of communication, but it, sometimes things are so dangerous, and the 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 dangers are so grave and life-threatening both to our democratic system and to human beings that, that it, the best thing to do is to try to remove them so they do less damage. And, you know, to put it into context, you know, Twitter wasn't invented during the era of Trump. Twitter has been around for quite a while. I remember using Twitter. I'm not really a big Twitter guy, but I found it extraordinarily helpful when I went down to visit Occupy Wall Street years ago because that's how I found out where Joan Baez was going to be singing, you know, by, by listening to, you know, updates on Twitter. Um, but in terms of elected officials, usually an elected official will use Twitter, will compose a tweet or have his people or her people compose a tweet and it will be vetted and fact-checked and make sure it was okay before it was launched out into the world. Um, Trump... I believe, had just a direct line to Twitter and would just tweet whatever came into his head or retweet. Um, and, you know, there's, a, there's a, such a thing called, uh, you know, like, uh, was it uh, drunk texting or drunk tweeting, you know, where, where somebody's three sheets to the wind and they're like, they go on a rant, you know, on Twitter or, or text or whatever like that. And they're funny, you know. Um, in this case, you know, as elected official, he had an, he had an obligation uh, to be presidential in the use of this medium. I mean, you know, you know, there's just such a abu abuse of the office. It's it's like when he got COVID. When he got COVID, he hopped into that car and, and made the Secret Service sit into that sit into that car with him, three feet from his face. You know, yeah. so so that's an abuse of the office. And I believe the way he used Twitter was an abuse of the of the office. I mean, I agree. It's it's you know, and it's and. I don't feel as strongly as you do because I think I've just had it and I don't like Twitter. <laughs> I find it difficult to read. <laughs> um, um, but I, I understand completely what you, where you're going through. And the analogy with CBS and the Grammys is true because CBS is one of the most conservative uh, networks ever. And they're on the Grammys. And, of course, all, all the, um, the hip-hop stuff is you know, <laughs> usually like that. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, but I love the analogy between um, the, his tweeting and Hitler using the radio. You know, it's, it's, you know, he's in complete control of everything. And, yeah, you know, I, mean, I guess it goes back to the Nixon-Kennedy debates, you know, where, where the TV ruined uh, Nixon's right. chance against Kennedy that time, you know, because of the way he looked. 
Did I lose you, Paul? Are you still there? Absolutely. It made okay. a big difference. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm still here. Oh, yeah. We have, we have no, about just, no, just so you know, we just, the internet is. Yeah. The, 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 Rudy Giuliani is trying to disconnect us. Go ahead. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani's outside my house, <laughs> hey, Rudy. disconnecting my cable. <laughs> We're broadcasting. Yeah, I, I see a guy. Yeah, we're, uh, Paul, I, Paul, I believe is up in in, in Westchester, uh, and I'm and I'm uh, I'm ten minute ten miles uh, south of Albany. We're co- we're we're connected to the illustrious and beautiful studios in Stony Brook and University. Uh, out to you uh, through the transmitter on uh, on uh, in Farmingville, uh, out to the airwaves. So it's it's kind of like a really, but yeah, Rudy's got a lot to, to do to disconnect us. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I just have a quick Hitler story. By go ahead. I just, I, just wanted to, I just want to drop in. We have about 10 minutes left. We have a hard stop at 1.30 for, uh, for Zabby uh, coming up at 1.30, just, just so you know. Go ahead. Right, I'm going to try. I'll, I'll try to be in the middle of saying something very important. <laughs> <at> like 129, <laughs> Sorry. Here's the Hitler story. As you know, there was a bomb plot that actually hurt Hitler you know, a German general who was part of a group of generals that saw that Hitler was leading Germany to defeat. This was in like, you know, 1943 already. Um, one of them smuggled a bomb in, into a meeting. And uh, it would have killed Hitler, but unfortunately it was a steel table that everybody was sitting around. So the steel absorbed a lot of the impact of the bomb. But nonetheless, Hitler was hurt. He was sent to the hospital. Nobody knew how badly hurt he was. It turned out he wasn't hurt that badly, but there were rumors running through Berlin, and the the conspirators were trying to get other generals to join them, and they had a real chance of bringing Hitler down, and that would have saved a lot of lives. But Joseph Goebbels, who was Hitler's minister of uh, propaganda and popular enlightenment, at least they were honest, by the way, minister of propaganda, that's what his title was, rushes up to the hospital room and says to Hitler, you know, this is the rough English translation, my Fuhrer, everything is okay, but if you could only speak to your people, it, it would quiet the, uh, the rebellion down and it would convince everyone that you're okay. And Hitler said, you know, that's a good idea. So they got a microphone into the uh, uh, hospital room and it, it probably was a connection at most, maybe slightly better than the one you now have. So, Hitler <laughs> <laughs> was able to address the German nation, and that basically quelled the, the rebellion in Germany. So, Hitler not only loved radio because it enabled him to speak to the German people directly and avoid the press, but just like with Trump, it was Hitler's literal lifeline to his people and and that's how uh trump saw and probably still sees twitter and as somebody pointed out i heard someone saying this just this morning uh i think it was uh casey you know casey dc i can't think of the last name on msnbc um she said and i've heard this reported before that trump is more upset about being cut off twitter than everything else that yeah Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's 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 wild, and and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I liken him to the Wicked Witch of the West getting hit with a bucket of water. You know, right. <laughs> it's yeah. like you take a Twitter away. I'm melting. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 the fuel. It's the fire that that feeds him. You know, and and uh, my goodness, we have about uh, five minutes left, Paul. Um, we need some hope. Um, 
give us give us some hope in the last five minutes um what are you looking forward to um i i know we need to be on our guard for the next week um we i'm very very scared about the inauguration of joe biden and kamala harris i'm very nervous about that i wish it would just go full virtual um but once it's over it's over um where where can we look for for some positivity for some hope well, so I'll begin now with where I began our conversation almost an hour ago. For the first time in a good few years, Democrats control the House of Representatives, the Senate, and the presidency. And that means we can do, the Democrats can do almost anything they want. The only ultimate lid on that is the Supreme Court, where Trump's appointees will have a, a role. But I think that the Supreme Court might be more reasonable than most people think. They certainly did the right thing in unanimously turning away the nonsensical challenge that came before them uh, about the election. So I think that there's hope that a lot of uh, long overdue things and things that have become newly important, like, for example, not redoubling, but increasing tenfold, twentyfold the federal response to the COVID pandemic getting the vaccines out there into people's arms. You know, that's first and foremost what needs to be done, getting people back to work. And by the way, uh, you know, expanding all kinds of federal agencies and all kinds of operations that the federal government begins to do is a good way of doing it. A A personal goal of mine has long been for America to have the kind of train system that they have in Europe and Japan where I can hop in a train and, yep. you know, get to Chicago in a couple of hours and, you know, maybe even go cross county, cross country in a day on some high speed train. Joe Biden is, has been a great advocate of train travel, you know, but we need infrastructure for that to happen. So I think that is going to happen. I think that we are going to see finally something we haven't talked about at all. Black Lives Matter. Yes, please. This, this, this other plague that's been afflicting our country for decades, where police just keep on killing innocent African-American people. And they're almost never brought to justice. Yeah. Sometimes they're not even fired. You, you have to be, you think, okay, okay, at least they were fired. But hey, what about being tried for murder, which is what it is. I, I think that under Biden and, and with Kamala Harris as vice president and the country focused on this, that, that's going to happen. There's going, to, there's going to be more control of police. They should be ipso facto fired if they have any kind of wrong altercation with, with an African-American. And, and, and there are all kinds of other things. Gun control is another mm-hmm. thing. We talked about that before. This is insane, this country we live in, where people think it's their God-given right to have a gun. To do what? Yeah. To shoot a deer? That's the best thing they can do with it. But not but, their know, God-given right to see a doctor without bankrupting yourself. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Healthcare, another important thing, and and the environment. So look, I mean, Biden is going to have his hands full. But you know, I think he's the right person for the job. He's been around so long, and he recognizes that you need to bring in other people yeah. uh, to get things done. I, I I think we we're going to be in for at least a good two years, and I hope longer. He's teachable. That's what I like about him. He's teachable. He 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 will listen. His opinions and his positions evolve. He is not stuck. He does not march in lockstep like the Republicans. 
But the Democrats have to move. They may only have two years to do anything. So uh, this could this could swing back the other way in a big way in 2022. So things need to be done now. Um, Paul, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, I miss hanging out with you at Sci-Fi Convention. So uh, I don't know about 2021, but maybe 2022 we'll be hanging out at ReaderCon again. And uh, yeah, and uh, and my friend, I will see you soon. Take care, my friend. You too. I'm looking forward to ReaderCon, and you can come by and videotape one of my readings yes. where there's just one other person in the audience. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Be well, my friend. Take it easy. You too. The Light on Light Through podcast. Well, I hope you enjoy that interview with Captain Phil interviewing me. I'll be back here soon with another episode of Light on Light Through could be a political commentary, could be a review of a great new television series, who knows. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sound, it's a very dangerous world out there, and enjoy. AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson still codes about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries.